everyone this is upasna and welcome to another episode of intuitions by heartfulness our guest for today's episode is someone who's doing a lot of amazing work in the field of social and emotional wellness and compassionate living social and emotional wellness is particularly important in times such as these when there's so much uncertainty in the world around us when we have strong emotional reactions to the circumstances that we face it can create impressions within us leading to the formation of certain emotional patterns taking a few moments to remove these effects from us can help us think clearly and make the right decisions without getting mired in our emotions so before we jump into the conversation with our guest let's start off with a small practice that allows us to remove our emotional patterns and conflicts sit comfortably and gently close your eyes as i guide you through the practice once you're ready take a couple of deep breaths inhale exhale now imagine that you are in a gentle ocean of peace the waves around you are soothing and blissful completely immersed in this ocean of peace and the waves are removing all your coverings continue holding on to this thought for a few minutes as you are immersed in the ocean of peace feel the soothing and blissful waves wash away all your coverings just experienced is the ocean of peace practice offered by heartfulness you can try this at home for a longer time up to 30 minutes to learn more about the practices offered by heartfulness you can download the app heartsapp or visit the website at www.heartfulness.org okay hope you enjoyed the practice and now let's go on to listen to what our guest has to say. Intuitions by Heartfulness. Where the heart speaks and the mind wonders. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Intuitions by Heartfulness. I'm joined by our very special guest for this episode, Anoki Parikh. 
Hey Anoki, welcome to the Intuition by Heartfulness podcast. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here with us today. Hi Upasana, it's lovely being here with all of you. So uh, for our audience, uh, Anoki is co-founder at the SEL Lab. She's also an independent consultant at uh, UNESCO and GIEP. She's a member at the Global Youth Alliance for Kindness. Uh, she's a certified CIT facilitator at Life University and uh, she also has a PhD in economics. Uh, so Anoki, you have a very interesting journey from a PhD in economics uh, to the education sector. So I would really like to hear how that happened. But before getting into that, uh, as I understand it, the core of your work revolves around SEL, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Just social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that's been getting popular in the recent years. But uh, I would really like to understand uh, what SEL really is as a concept, because I can get a feel for what SEL is just from its literal meaning, but mm -hmm. it would be good to hear from you on what it is uh, actually as, as a concept. So if I had to break down um, how SEL can be as adaptable as possible to us in today's life, right? And also, um, I'll put context to it a little bit later of how it came into my life and what's the core of what the SEL does and how we've, uh, what the SEL lab does and um, how we've taken a certain point of view on it, which is different for different organizations, for different people who are advocating for SEL, but it ties down into the idea of having tools and skills that will help you understand and handle your emotions. Now, that could mean tools like resilience and self-compassion. Um, it's trying to understand ourselves in the context of our own lives, our relationships. And to me, what is really, really important is we go from us to the other into systems and the world. And uh, so it's really important that we also understand we have discernment, uh, which is one of the skills that helps us use our cognition to make better decisions. That helps you have a sense of agency when you understand what compassion really means. And um, it helps us understand our context in the world and systems around us better because each of us are part of systems. Like when you run an organization, you're part of a system. And what, are, what is the value system of that? How do we create a world that is just, a world that is equal? And all of us are here for that, but it's going to happen in micro movements. So all systems have to have a just outlook before the world can be a better place and the world can be an equal place. And that's not going to just happen um, uh, uh, with just five leaders across the world. That is going to happen when each one of us contributes from ourselves to the other, to larger systems in the world. So to me, that's largely how we break down. Of course, there are many, many definition, definitions of what SEL is. And uh, now it is more streamlined as, um, um, as even curriculums. Now we finally have people who've come together and said, hey, social emotional learning space is its own space, its own curriculum, its own subject. But um, a while ago, we didn't have any of that. So many people have taken a stance on what they think it is. But this is in really simple ways. This would be how it's applicable to our lives uh, for me. Okay, awesome. That was, a, that was a really simple and I think understandable uh, uh, you know, meaning of SEL. And um, I think another interesting thing that uh, you know that you mentioned is it's not just about uh, us individually, but it's also about us as a system, right? And absolutely, um, yeah, that was very interesting uh, because when we usually talk about social uh, emotional wellness, I think that's 
a big part of it is the system level understanding yeah. of it yeah. right uh, okay that was amazing and now if you could tell us about how you really went from a phd in economics into this right because uh, it's a very yeah, it's a very drastic turn and uh, yeah really to hear more about in a way i think it's drastic in a way i think it's not uh, but if i had to give you like um uh, what my journey has been i went into i went from very formal education in science into business um i got a masters from manchester business school and msc finance my subjects there were econometrics statistics math i was always really good at math as a child and the most logical decision there after there was that it would be economics business finance um and uh what would be a sensible career to have uh so all that was great and then i eventually went came back from my grad school i went into um uh i went into a broking firm where i started a derivatives desk there so i was at the hardcore like uh numbers and math and i was in the trading room for some time and from there i ended up into cnbc as a tv anchor pretty much in the same space but while i was still in high school so in 11th or 12th there was a part of my mind i was always very very curious and i always felt like there was part of my life that i had to always contribute into the community and um i started volunteering at the age of 16 uh when i was in high school uh and the first place that i volunteered at was a group there it was it was a space for um uh special adults and it was giving them a sort of agency into the world um and i thought that was a really interesting idea and i started to work there but there was always something that i did on the side it was always there was never the the conversation when i was in college uh which i really i really love that it's changed today was never that social development can be your first career right it was always from the kind of mindset we came from it was always what is going to make for a career and you can do this on the side i know when your career reaches that phase and you're in your 40s 50s this is what you do then after that and i actually were growing up then i started to challenge that a lot uh which is when i finished my phd when i was 26 and i said you know i'm going to take a break and i'm going to go see what it could be to have this full time because my heart was always always um uh i was never emotionally challenged at the with at the work that i was doing and i realized as a person and it was very personal um as a person i needed to be emotionally challenged at work rather than just intellectually challenged and it's something that i really felt lacked in my life and i uh, education was something that i always really um uh, believed in and i felt like in a country like india um uh, there should be more equity in education and i went into the education space and uh i married the two causes that i really really felt for one was non violence and that children no matter where you come from no matter your background your socio economic background your religion your caste you should have a safe childhood right as a child like it doesn't matter uh children didn't ask to be in war zones they didn't ask to be born in war zones they didn't ask to be brought up in conflicts and i felt like that's just basic that should just be what every child has in this world and that sort of led me to 
education in Kashmir and Manipur and I spent six years heading an organization which then means that I never went back to my other career. <laughs> Once I went into it, there was no looking back. And the crux and core of the work that I did there was social emotional learning in, in education systems. So I worked with schools which had strong socio-emotional um, uh, uh, curriculums and they were imbibed many times in the philosophy. So I worked with the KFI schools. Um, so a lot of my children from these uh, school, uh, from these um, um, uh, regions went to KFI schools, Baha'i school in Panjkini. The Baha'i is the Baha'i ideology is also really, really interesting, right? It, it, it creates space for all religions and all kinds of people and everybody and that it just is there's equality within the ideology of that religion and I found that really interesting and somewhere with the KFI philosophies, secularism, the idea of togetherness, the idea of equality was back in the ideology of those schools and I thought this is what every single school in the country should look like. So I realized that with education, if we had to create a generation of leaders that went back to regions like Kashmir and Manipur, they would have to have really strong skills of social emotional learning to make great compassionate leaders. You and me are not going to be able to change what's happening in regions of conflict today. It's going to happen a generation later when we create a generation of strong, compassionate, equal thinking leaders that build policies that way. We don't, it cannot happen. It's not a one or two people thing. It's, it needs to be everybody. And that's when I sort of spent those six years in that program, realizing that what I was bridging between schools and home was this space that was missing, whether it was at home, whether it was within systems, whether it was with children, was the social emotional space. From there, of course, I went, uh, UNESCO came into my life where we started working with PVE, Prevention of Violent Extremism through Education. A lot of these programs are based on the idea of social emotional learning. They all take a certain point of view, but they are based on the idea of social emotional learning. And I started my own organization when, at the same time, along the same time uh, when um, I stepped away from being a director at the foundation and I started, started off myself because I wanted to advocate purely just for this piece. And this piece is a missing piece in education and it needed to stand outside to be able to hear the voices today. So I do a lot of advocacy now, um, not just for education, but I feel like though we work with educators a lot because it feels like it's a good route to go towards, our political systems, our police systems, um, our corporate systems, they all need to have stronger skills, which are not just, they're not values anymore, they're skills, right? Compassion is not a value anymore, it's a skill, and each of us need to, make, we, it's tangible. You can give it to every single person when they get out of school, and then they have the world to look at from a different lens completely. And I think, I mean, to me, very personally, that's the answer to a better world in the next 50, 70 years. Okay, awesome. And uh, you know, I can really kind of, uh, I mean, I'm very inspired by your story, right? Because a lot, of, a lot of us probably have this feeling that we need to give more back to the community, but it, it takes a lot of courage to actually make that choice, uh, you know, because we usually box ourselves 
just based on what we've done so far um and it must have been quite difficult to break uh, break out from it right and it requires a lot of conviction as well so i'm very inspired uh, by your story um but also uh, how did you actually manage to get into it right from from uh, coming from a very different background how did you actually make your way into this uh, sector how did that happen mm, i don't think it was i don't think it was this is the route that i've taken i also followed along the way um and i think my biggest tool of making it happen has been collaboration and i think there's so much power in collaboration when there are fewer people in the stream when i got into it there was no we weren't even using the word social emotional skill it was an intangible space that we knew was really missing right and i think along the way there were bigger organizations organizations that started coining what it was started started defining what this space was and collaboration has always been key because as much as i mean i can keep screaming on top of my lungs about what i think is important but unless we come together and make this a louder voice it would have never it, it would have never been where it is so for me it was always i think that was the one thing that was always in my head and then it eventually i fought my way through um and i mean starting an organization on sel is not it's not the easiest route right i get 10 emails a day from people who are so passionate about sel but they feel like but this can't be a career like how do we make it into a career right of course this is still very very nascent but give it another 10 15 years this will this will be a very formal industry and having i mean having said that i think the pandemic also has made people realize that um there's no way but to have these skills to get on with life right we need real life and i'm not even saying life skills anymore i'm saying we need to be able to manage our emotions better to be able to live in the world and what the world is going to throw at us in the next in the next 15 years mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah uh, and uh, could you talk a little bit about what you actually do at uh, scl lab uh, yeah. you know you work a lot with the children as well but you mentioned that you're also looking to work with uh, you know just corporates and and the police force and and um you know the, the political uh, organization so um yeah could you talk a little bit about what exactly you do and your experience with all of that so pasna as of uh, today i actually focus more on working with educators and adults and giving them skills to be able to take it back so yes of course we do do projects with children but that's that's out of sheer just it's this it's a small part we can't reach all children we have to equip today educators to change education systems to be able to take this back i cannot take that back into a school system that doesn't believe in it right mm-hmm. so just to kind of rewind back i started sel from the core intention of peace building and the core in- for me sel was a was a tool that i used to build uh, um uh, for conflict resolution and co- conflict transformation so even if you sort of map out the regions that i work with kashmir and manipur still stay in a big is a big piece of the work that i do which is prevention of violent extremism and this year since the pandemic happened and the world went online in a way it also became an opportunity to get many many countries on the platform together so this year my work has been focused um in south asia and africa and um in south asia started as a project again which was an india pakistan project which then became india pakistan bangladesh afghanistan myanmar sri lanka 
uh, Bhutan, Nepal, a lot of these countries do deal with conflicts, whether they are um, cross-border conflicts or conflicts within the region. And we work with people across the space within these regions. Um, as far as what is it that we do, there are set curriculums today. So it's one of the curriculums that we really, really work with is the Compassionate Integrity uh, by Life University. It's by the Center of Compassion, um, Integrity, and Secular Ethics. It's a 10-skill uh, program. And um, um, it sort of goes from working, the first few skills are on the self. So basically, they sort of work with what is understanding your body, neuroscience of resilience, um, uh, your emotional awareness, uh, how, 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 how do you understand mental states basically, and it goes into self-compassion. Then we open it up into sort of exploring relationships around us. So we go into understanding biases and stereotyping and what that really means for the human brain, right? Some of it is also has, some of the answers are so deeply built in our evolution and our neuroscience that it actually gives us amazing answers to why we behave a certain way and it helps you sort of um, uh, understand some of those relationships around you better. So we, we work with uh, the idea of what gratitude is and it's not just what I feel grateful for, the actual practices that can help you kind of look at the world differently completely. So there are a lot of critical insight we do that helps you sort of make a shift in your perception and uh, we work on what empathic concern means and what compassion really means and there are actual models now which help you understand empathy and compassion very often are interchangeable words the way that we use them today but what is it really how how does a sense of agency fit into this what does empathic distress mean um, empathy is not always always something that makes us feel on top of the world sometimes it can really bring you down and make you have a breakdown like people are going through uh, uh, through COVID and the last part of it is then looking at what does interdependence mean how are we going to be able to live this life independently it's impossible countries nation systems need are interdependent whether you like it or not and what that really means and how we use the sense of discernment that's where sort of that's where the idea of emotions discernment comes into place, right? That actually means that's your cognition. There are actual models which help you make better decisions, which, ask you, which help you use, um, uh, uh, ask the right questions before you make big decisions. And when you sort of expand that into systems, when you're building policies, if we asked those questions correctly and we took as many people along with us, we will be able to make policies that include more people than not. Okay, awesome. And and I think that's a really good point that you brought up, right? That with the COVID situation, you're actually getting to connect uh, with more people, not just uh, focused yeah. on a single location. Uh, that's great. And um, I guess this is the circumstances that we face now. I guess we need compassion, uh, empathy, and kindness more than ever before, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, talking about like COVID and the remote learning scenario, right? Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts because uh, as I see it, probably it's much harder for especially children who uh, are str struggling socially, right? It must be much harder for them to connect with people to make uh, the relationships that they need to make with their peers and uh, with mm -hmm. the educators as well. Um, so what are your thoughts on it? And what does SEL have to offer uh, in that regard? Uh, do you mean with children as far as education is concerned? Yes, do yeah. you mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, so as far as school education is concerned, I do feel, of course, there is the, there is the, um, uh, 
obstacle of the fact that children don't really need children and children are meant to sort of be with other children sure yes but I, with a country like india the problems are way deeper than that right like you're also talking about a country where not a lot of children don't have access to gadgets and technology our country was not technologically ready to go online and we've been faced with this so there is of course there is a part of urban india and privilege which is facing different problems but there is also a part that is going the realities of it are far more gruesome right where fathers are home and alcoholics children are seeing severe violence women are going through domestic violence so i think i mean we we have layers of problems i don't think any of them can be ignored because some are bigger so definitely children this age that go through this phase who are really young this is really impressionable right the idea that you 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 have to you don't know whether you're safe it can cause a lot of fear because you're going to think 10 times before you can be free and hug someone or touch someone and this at that age like it it's quite impressionable so i think there are definitely social problems there for sure uh, but as far as i think the problems are way deeper and it's going to call for after the covid after covid is over it's going to call for us to resolve some of those very very fundamental issues which which i mean we're not talking about those enough mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and uh, can you also talk a little bit you you mentioned uh, the global youth alliance for kindness right so could you talk a little bit more about what's going on there and uh, as the youth how we can kind of collaborate uh, towards that So GIAC was actually built out of UNESCO MGIP's first World Youth Conference. Uh so it was basically 60 people from across 27 countries came together and there was a declaration on kindness that was written at the end of that conference. That that conference kind of endorsed the idea of SEL within industries again. So there were people from tech, people from climate change, people from the corporate world, from uh, uh from um uh, politics from ngos that had all come together to say that hey this might be the middle piece that sort of connects all of us together and these are skills we need no matter where we come from from there the end of that conference built yak which is the global youth alliance the yak is still very very closely associated to unesco mgiep and the work that they are doing so unesco's last um few years has been on taking a lot of this online so they actually uh, and th- there's some incredible curriculums for whoever's interested that are on framer space and i'm happy to sort of even share that which you it's completely free you can just go on there are different like um it they've used um they've used the entire gaming space and the tech space to build social emotional skills in people across age groups um so uh yes yeah, so unesco's moved online in a big way and yak sort of supports a lot of the work that unesco uh does in taking it to the ground in a way so so yak very closely has supported the global declaration uh that was signed and we want to take it of course across countries and yak's role has largely been in doing that creating youth alliance where we can collaborate with each other across countries across regions across industries across work uh so that's pretty much where yak is at and now it's going into a more it's gone into a slightly more formal structure but it started as as simple a youth group as any other uh, that has come together in a conference okay amazing and uh, also could you talk a little bit about the the cit training that you spoke about 
So CIT was actually written by uh, uh, Michael Carlin and Brendan De Silva. Brendan's actually done a lot of research work um, on the idea of contemplative sciences. Uh, if anybody's interested, some of his research papers are available. Uh, they actually questioned, and the Dalai Lama has also really, really endorsed this program. So the question back then when they were looking at these programs is can some basic human values become skills? And how do we make them more accessible to everybody? How do we make them more cognitive to everybody else? How do we understand some of this from an evolutionary perspective? Why do human beings think a certain way? Why do we act a certain way? Why do we behave a certain way? So it's really simplified this in 10 skills. And it's, uh, so we usually the way we do it face to face as we call it online is it happens, it's two hours, uh, two hours a week. And it has certain tools. So basically, we use uh, mindful dialogue. So whole part of mindful dialogue is you're really listening to you're really learning to listen to somebody, and um, uh, we go into a deep conversation about certain uh, about each topic every single week. We use tools like reflective writing. We use tools like contemplative practices, which is my favorite. Where a lot of us feel like contemplative practices are focused attention practice. So you have to kind of like empty your mind out and that's what a meditation is. It's not only that. It's introduced the idea of analytical practices. It kind of takes into consider consideration that the human brain is the only one that has metacognition and we have the ability to be able to control our minds in a way. And it helps on building that muscle memory through all of these analytical practices. So the core of that is that It'll help you kind of build your muscle memory about some of these skills, about kindness, about compassion, about empathy, about forgiveness, and how we sort of can bring that to mind, which is actually not clearing your mind off everything and contemplating on that. It's actually bringing to mind something and building your muscle memory on that. So it's really interesting. And eventually it goes into, it discusses systems. And very often we discuss the education systems across the world. And there are so many things that kind of, tie up and it's something that we can learn from each other so, so the South Asia program that we do with CIT has eight countries and there are people from across eight countries from different sectors so you'll see people from non-profit education to private education to public education to policy governments uh, funders so it actually brings everything together into a conversation of what is the best way to do things and it allows for that dialogue. So CIT is actually one of the curriculums that I really, really endorse. It's been, for me personally, I did CIT with in the UNESCO batch, um, which is the first few that happened in India. And it was, it's, it's been a life-changing experience. It's also what sort of made me jump in and buy into the idea of SEL so deeply, even after so many years. Okay, amazing. That sounds amazing. Uh, and I'm sure we'd all like to give it a shot as well. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, uh, talking about like all these practices that you mentioned right now, right? So um, how much do you think these are also applicable for, for each of us at home every day, right? And uh, even when we talk about uh, education or say the, the political um, in, uh, industries, so uh, how does it, uh, or how important do you think it is for us, each of us to cultivate these kind of practices at home just in our everyday life? And I'm sure you've had experiences that in your everyday life uh, after, especially like you mentioned, right, after your CID training. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, when you have these tools, there are also many, many different kind of tools. So you take what you like and you leave what you don't. And 
when you are sort of going through life every day the challenges are very different these tools also give you the discernment of what are the practices you need in that moment right what is it that what is the challenge in that moment like resilience is one practice out of many practices in resilience there are three different practices there's tracking there's resourcing grounding so over a period of time you know every day what your body and mind needs in that moment it helps you unblock and move on from what you're going through in that moment so i think this is for me personally it's uh it's not a set schedule that today i'm going to wake up and this is the practice it's never that as i'm going through now i gravitate towards the practices that i need at that time and that's what is so beautiful about it it's not it's not like oh now it's my 5 minutes meditation time i think that's what sort of makes this so ritualistic sometimes and which is sort of overwhelming for the youth at least right so this is not just sometimes there are i mean there are practices that you can do in a car and in a lift if you're stuck in a lift and you're going through claustrophobia you don't have time to go home for your practice you got to practice something there right so that you don't have a complete meltdown your body doesn't shut down so that's what's so beautiful about this it gives you your own discernment of what is required for you okay amazing and i guess this is where the the muscle memory part plays yes, in right absolutely. your brain strain into that okay amazing that sounds amazing um and uh and okay uh, another thing that i wanted to ask you uh, is that um what do you think about uh, you know even as uh, uh, regarding the education industry what do you think is the role of people at home right uh, as far as uh, the, the the next generation goes because you mentioned about you know the best way to transform society is by targeting the next generation which is the children so um, do you have practices that are targeted towards uh, creating a proper model environment at home for of course i mean okay so this takes me to two things right one is family as a system and very often when we're doing cicit we look at families as systems also and they need to work properly together because that's really the start of anything and everything that you do right if you have safe homes you also then have um uh, you also then have the resilience to be able to actually create change in the world mm-hmm. and so i think that's incredibly important as parents to do and this also gives you that the second thing as far as you ask me about the education system we were actually now started using the term formal and informal education and a lot of this falls on the idea of informal education which i think is equally important until education systems are full and have all pieces that are required informal education is going to be really important too there's going to be i always say right i feel like there's a piece missing in the education system and till that is not put it's like sport and music and it it's it's like math and english i don't see any difference in and i i still sometimes find it really hard to understand why is math more important than music or sport and why is life skills or social emotional skills should be at the top because eventually no even if you have every you can have the most amazing job and not know how to face the world our children don't know how to resolve conflicts and that doesn't come from a lack of empathy it comes from a lack of not knowing how to resolve a conflict in your personal life how are we going to solve world conflicts if we can't resolve our own conflicts right it cannot it has to be a collective um uh, transformation of conflict eventually and that has to come from each one of us 
Okay, absolutely. No, that's that's totally perfect. I think a lot of um, us, even from my personal experience, I can definitely speak that I would have, um, you know, loved to have more of uh, social emotional skills at school, right? Because mm-hmm. I think especially in this generation, a lot of us uh, face struggles with social skills. Like you mentioned, even if you have a perfect uh, work, you may still be struggling because yeah. of a lack of social skills, right? Oh, that's yeah. perfect. And, uh, you know, on this context, uh, the, the transformation that you mentioned, right, I would really like to hear from you about some of the personal transformations that you've seen in, in the people that you have worked with. Uh, I think more than like personal transformations, uh, I think there have been transformative acts in schools, which I think are a reflection of personal transformation. So tell you a really like, simple example of a really little girl right like um she's one of the girls that i worked with right in the start and i I always like narrate the story because it's so beautiful she's somebody that felt like deeply like angry about the patriarchy in kashmir and she was full of like emotion anger um uh, didn't know what to do and sort of gave her tools and some time to think about what is it that you can do um, if you had the sense of agency to change something, it took a long period of time for her to come to a to a place where she said, "What if I started a marathon in Kashmir where women could run?" And and she started that in a place in Kashmir where women don't get out of the house or walk on the streets alone. And it sort of brought. It's really small, but it's super transformative. If we channelize all of this anger towards actual change and productive change, the world would look very different right now. And I think. That has been true for a lot of people that we've worked with. I don't want to go into personal stories because they are personal and they are confidential. But I think as far as systems are concerned, a lot of people have taken some of this back into education systems, even in really small ways. Even if even if it's five minutes of a classroom, it's going to make a world of a difference. And that has happened across, across the South Asia batch. That is something that has really, really come back. And we've actually put up some stories, if anyone wants to, go see it we've put up some stories on um, the SEL lab and we started something from there we actually started something that was called that's called the SEL movement which is people that across these industries have spoken about um, why and how this is required and they're all people who of course who've engaged with the SEL lab and through curriculums in whichever spaces in their life it doesn't have to be through the SEL lab but it's talking about the SEL movement in um, mental health, SEL movement in peace building, in sports, and how all of it sort of like ties up together in every single industry when you look at it, whether it's gender equality, it's sexuality, how do we sort of give our children all of these tools to be able to look at the world more equally? Amazing. And I think thanks for sharing that experience as well. It, I think it really gives us a feel for the kind of transformation that can happen um, if channeled correctly, right? Uh, that is amazing. Um, so Anuki, this is very inspiring uh, to hear all of this and this is amazing work that you do, right? Uh, I also want to hear your thoughts on what is the future of SEL? There's a lot of, and especially now that you mentioned the SEL movement, right? There's a lot of work going on uh, all over the world. And I think yeah. with the COVID, uh, SEL is, you know, in, like in the limelight right now. So what do you think is the future of SEL, uh, especially in our country and also all over the world? I think in the next 10, 15 years, right, this is going to be, Uh, This is going to be a non-negotiable part of education. 
and it's going to happen in different ways so till then there will be the informal education route that will be working through along with the formal education route but i do see in the next 10 15 years there'll be a change in the way we sort of like look at it it's like how we push so much more for sport and music right people are actually now able to take up sport and music as careers today which back then uh was still arts commerce and science it's not like that anyway so we are breaking boundaries we're pushing boundaries we're going to break boundaries this is this is also the effect of globalization where the world becomes flat and you learn from each other's education systems and i think that is going to happen for sure but we are a little bit of, we are we are a while away from we are a walk away from it for sure yeah definitely and i think uh, what you're doing is definitely kind of you know pushing us uh, towards it faster so thank you uh, amazing and <laughs> yes definitely and we would uh, we would actually love to uh, check out more of uh, the stories that you have on your website and also check out the the CIT training um, just another question for our audience is if they would like to connect with you and learn more about your organization and how to contribute to it what would be the best way to connect? so i'm going to actually put up the social media handles here and at the same time i'm going to put the email if anyone wants to reach out to me directly feel free to do that okay awesome we're also also quite active on instagram uh with our stories and we keep that community active mm-hmm. uh on facebook and on instagram actually so if anybody wants to even write a message there or reach out to us directly please feel free to do that okay amazing we'll sh- we'll make sure to share it with our audience uh yeah thank you so much anoki uh, very inspired by your story all that you do and uh, i really hope this really uh, pervades through our society right so that we can really move towards so. a more compassionate and mm-hmm. uh, kind society uh, and i also really admire your courage to you know pursue your your purpose and your true passion so thank you for amazing yeah thank, thank you so, so much, much for lovely being here with all of you actually yeah any closing words for us and our audience um you know just do what your heart says don't be be fearless and new uh new spaces were created because people were brave amazing that's wonderful thank you thank you so much and okay thank, thank you for joining us okay so that was an okay hope you all enjoyed the conversation we had with her For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Intuitions is part of a global youth community called the Infinite Youth. So follow us on our social media to learn more about all our other events that are happening. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.